I was really excited when Jesse asked me to come talk. Um, I always enjoy getting to to teach and to share, and um, so I hope you walk away tonight feeling encouraged and feeling equipped um, in your parenting. Um, well, the nice thing about the things we're going to be talking about tonight is it can be used in the full spectrum of ages. So you can use this stuff with your two-year-old, but you can also use it with your 16-year-old. And so no matter where your kids kind of fall on that spectrum, I hope that it it's helpful. Um, what I'd like to do is kind of do take a step back and do some big picture principles and thoughts for you guys, and then we'll get down into like some nitty-gritty practical, here's how you can actually do this with your kids. I like to both give some like theory and some thoughts to give you some context and then give you really practical stuff. And so what I want to start out with is you have some blank pieces of paper on your tables. And what I'd like you to do is I have four questions. And you can either pick one of your kids to answer these about, or if you want to quickly do them with all of your kids, I'll let you choose. This is in regards to behaviors that you're correcting. Uh, and so what behavior are you most concerned about in your child? So what, what's the something that they do that really concerns you? What behavior do you find yourself most disciplining them for? What behavior are you most hard on your child, whether it's like harsh punishment or your reaction to them is the strongest? And then fourthly, what behavior most frustrates, annoys, or angers you? So take a minute. I know that probably came really fast. <laughs> but take a minute to answer those questions because we're going to use these. So we're going to come back to these questions at the end. Um, so you can put those to the side. We'll come back to them. I'll leave it up a little bit longer for you guys since you just got here. Um, there's a quote by Maya Angelou that I love. And it's actually, it's on your notes here. Um, but she said, do your best until you know better. And I think a lot of times, especially when I talk with parents, I feel like half the time I'm talking, you are saying to yourself, oh, I can't believe I've done that. Oh, I've missed that. Oh, I've messed up. What have I done? And I think a lot of parent guilt kind of seeps in as you're starting to learn new things as you're trying to expand your understanding of stuff. And I think just in general, as we interact and as we parent our kids, we feel a lot of parent guilt. And this isn't on our notes, but I always like to speak to that and, and just to say that the Lord does not intend for us to feel guilty about our parenting, um, that he does not expect us to be perfect. That is a process. It is about learning. Um, and so asking yourself if maybe you need to shift your expectation on yourself as you, you parent and giving yourself grace. And one of the things I love about um, learning and getting better is that it enables us to model the gospel for our kids about redeeming things, about making mistakes and doing better, about giving grace and forgiveness. And so as we teach our kids those things, also apply them to yourself as you think about um, your parenting. And as, um, because the reality is you will make mistakes. There is no perfect parent. The first parents in the Bible, their son killed the other one. And so from the start, parenting has been hard and we've been messed up and it's not intended to be perfect um, and frankly perfect parenting would not lead to perfect kids um, because we're human and we fail and in, 
I think the best thing we teach our kids is how do we rise above failure. It's not whether or not you fail, it's how you respond to that failure and how do you grow and how do you learn. And so I hope that encourages you. And as we're talking tonight, that if there's any voices kind of taunting you about things that you've done or mistakes that you've made, um, that you just um, speak against those and, and fight that voice and just let God speak encouragement and truth over you um, tonight. So there is a picture that I use a lot when I'm talking about parenting. As you can see, it's a tree, has a nice um, trunk, and then you have the roots going down. And what I like to imagine is the roots are going down into a river. And so the river and the roots are the words and experiences and the circumstances of our life. And those are the things that feed, that nourish the tree, that build that trunk. And that trunk is our belief system. And from our belief system grow the leaves and grow the fruit of the tree. And the fruit is our words and our behaviors. And so a lot of times when we are looking at our kids, when we're correcting our kids, we are looking at the words and the behaviors, the fruit of their tree. And we're trying to correct the fruit where in fact the problem is in the river, it's in the root system that's feeding the trunk, which is their belief system, which then produces the fruit in the, of their behaviors. And so in kind of taking a step back and doing a big picture look at our parenting and at our kids, we need to think of their behaviors as a product of that river that's nourishing their tree. And that river can be filled with good things and it can be filled with bad things. And as we parent, we navigate the things that are going into that. And so when something bad happens to them, we're coming along and we're feeding encouragement or we're helping them process something bad. Or if they've had a negative experience, we come in and help them figure out what should I do in response to that. And so when you see negative behaviors in your kids, think about not just parenting that behavior, but parenting what's in that river, or I like to call it parenting the heart as well. Don't just parent their actions and behaviors. We need to parent um, what's in that river. Not only is that applied to our kids, but it's applied to us as well. Our behavior, our words, are a result of our belief system, which are a result of the circumstances and the words and experiences that we've had in our life. And so what our kids see is a reflection of what's in our river. And we don't have time tonight to kind of delve into our own personal history and our own personal stories. But I just want to encourage you, as you parent, um, your history, your relationships, impact how you parent your kids. So the experiences that you've had, the relationships you've had, the things that have impacted you, will impact your kids. There's no way for you to control that. And so... Um, if you're in a season of really struggling, if you're in a season of the fruit that you see on your own tree has more bad than good, taking a step back and thinking, okay, what's in my river? What's impacting my actions? What's impacting my belief system? What's impacting how I'm responding to my kids? And maybe that's a conversation between a married couple. Maybe that's going and talking to a trusted friend. Uh, Maybe it's significant enough that you want to go and see a counselor. But knowing that who you are and your experiences, your history, impact how you interact with your kids and how you parent them. So for example, 
um, potentially the thing that most annoys you about your child is probably connected to something about your own past. There's something about that that triggers something in you from your own past. And so if you're having a really hard time with one of your kids' behaviors, taking a step back, taking a big picture look, hey, what's going on? What's in the river of my past? What are the things that contribute to my belief system that have contributed to what I say and do? And do I need some healing there? Do I need some redemption? Do I need to talk with someone about this? Um, And again, that's a whole other conversation about how your history impacts your kids, but I think it's worth noting that if you're really struggling with some things, maybe examining your own self and your history will help you bring healing to that and then also um, bring healing to a relationship with your kid or help you navigate whatever that behavior is. A lot of times when we parent, um, it's about getting them to behave, getting them to do the things we want them to do. Um, And I like to ask parents, what is your goal in parenting? Do you want a compliant child that obeys easily, or do you want one that is submitting the choice to be obedient? Um, Do you want them to be motivated to make good choices because of punishments? Or do you want them to be motivated to do things because they're choosing to do that? Um, And I think that's a big difference in how we parent. Um, Kids who obey because they don't want to get punished don't learn how to make good choices. They don't learn the value of making good choices because all they've ever wanted to do was not get in trouble. And so we find that when they leave the home where that authoritarian parent is not over them anymore, they go crazy, they go wild, they make poor decisions because they've never learned how to choose to make those decisions. And so as you look at your interaction with your kids, um, are they obeying you because they don't want to get punished? Or are they obeying because they understand that I am making a choice between two different things and I'm choosing the right thing because I've learned that choice, because my heart is submitted to that. Some of the questions I like to ask is, when you punish them, do they understand why you're punishing them? So it's not just about you're grounded or you can't do this, but it's like, hey, you can't do this, but do you understand why I'm punishing you? Can we talk about that? Um, Can you, in your own words, tell me why I'm punishing you? Can you tell me, and getting them to express themselves to you and explain why you're punishing them or why it was wrong. And not only that, but what could you have done better the next time? We're going to talk about that next year in a minute. Um, But making sure they understand how it's wrong. Um, Do you know what motivated it? So this is where I like to call um, being a detective of your kids. Behavior is a language. Uh, Kids don't always know how to explain themselves. They don't know how maybe to tell you what they're thinking or feeling or they don't know how to respond to something. So their behavior comes out. It's a way of communicating. And so as parents, we need to take a step back and figure out, okay, why are they doing that? What's motivating this? Because sometimes it's not a defiant heart that is motivating that behavior. Sometimes it's, they're afraid. Sometimes they're worried. Uh, maybe they're confused. Maybe Sometimes it is a defiant heart because we're human and they, and they have defiant hearts and they know how to use them well. Um, but sometimes it's motivated by other things. And so if we just punish them 
for stuff without understanding the why behind they're doing something, we're punishing them and not giving them an opportunity to grow and to do something different. Or we're punishing them without helping them to figure out how to do it differently. Um, and so understanding what that motivation is, understanding why did they do that. And so asking the questions, hey, what was going on right before this happened? Do you know why you decided, you know, why did you choose to do that? Um, what were you, what was going through your mind? What were you thinking? Um, and figuring out clues and details, being a detective of your kids to figure out, okay, what motivated this? Especially if you see a behavior that's a pattern. Anything that's repeated, there's something going on there. There's a reason for that. Uh, and so figuring out what that is. And sometimes it takes a little digging to figure some of that out. Um, <coughs> But I think that's really important. And so parenting the heart of the child um, and not just the behavior. Another important thing, um, Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all diligence for from it flow the spring of life. Um, especially in the Psalms, we see them talking about how the heart is where life flows from. The heart is where decisions come from. And so um, when it talks about the heart, it uses very active words. So in here, it's keep your heart. Other versions say guard your heart, protect, but it's a very active thing. And so are you actively helping your kid to guard their heart, to guard what's in there, to figuring out what's in their heart and parenting those things in their heart and helping them figuring out how do, how do I deal with jealousy? How do I deal with anger? Um, that's not something we just know on our own. Those are things that we have to learn and that have to be developed. And so um, I think scripture shows us how important um, caring for our heart and knowing the motivations and the things that are going on. And so if we could teach our kids to do that, like how valuable um, for them as they grow and get older. Have you taught your kids how to battle with their sin nature? Even just talking with them about we all have a sin nature. We're all tempted to do things. Like, as a parent, like, I have to choose between right and wrong all the time. And even using scripture to talk about what it says about battling um, sin in our sinful nature. But even having conversations like that that disciple them in the ways of, it's not just, you're a bad kid, stop doing bad things. It's, hey, you know what? We all sin. We all have to make choices like this. And here's how, here's how I do it. Like, here's what I do when I know I have to make a choice. Or when I make a bad choice, here's how I go back and I make it, make it right. And then, like I said, do you know what's motivating the behavior? And again, behavior is a, is a form of communication. And so figuring out what is my child communicating or what don't they know how to communicate that's coming out through this behavior. Proactive versus reactive, I think, is a really important thing, too, as you think about correcting without crushing your child's spirit. Um, and this is hard because it takes time, it takes purpose, and it takes communication. Three things that we don't have time for. <laughs> and so um, being proactive, thinking through, making a plan, communicating with your spouse, communicating with your kids. Here's how we're going to handle these things. Um, two minutes of being proactive ahead of the game erases 20 minutes of conflict if you hadn't done that. A lot of people will tell me, I don't have time to be proactive. I don't have time to think about these things and have a conversation with my spouse and figure these things out. And my my answer to them is always like, you have 30 minutes of conflict that you went through every night with your kids. 
But, you know, if you would have carved out this time up here, you could eliminate this time here. And so making a priority to think about um, what are our kids really struggling with right now? What do they need correction on and how are we going to address that? Um, what are we going to do when these behaviors come up and communicating that not only between yourselves as parents, but also then with your kids. Like, hey, kids, we're all struggling with this right now. Here's what we're going to be doing about it. But you're deciding ahead of time how you're going to respond or interact with your kids on certain behaviors. Um, because what happens is our kids do something, but we get angry. What are you doing? Why did you do that? And we kind of escalate it, and then the kids escalate it back, and then it turns into this whole big fight where everyone's upset, and then by the time the fight ends, everyone kind of has to come back down from being upset. So by that time, it's an hour until peace is back in the house, right? Instead, let's talk about how are we going to handle this situation? Hey, when this happens, this is how I'm going to respond to you. This is what I would like you to do, and we're going to figure out this argument. So for example, and I'll talk about this parenting tool later, I really love um, redos or do it again. And so let's say I have a teenage daughter that talks really disrespectfully to me. Now, my normal response would be like, hey, don't you talk like that to me. But instead, I've decided that I'm going to go to her and be like, hey, can you say that again with respect, please? And so I'm in that moment letting her know that she's done something wrong, and I'm giving her a chance to do it over. If you'll notice, I haven't escalated. I've not gotten angry with her. Now, she might have some attitude and roll her eyes at me. But the hope is, is that she and I have talked that out and practiced that ahead of time, that she knows, she, you know, fine, can I please do this? Um, but it's not escalating a fight. And guess what? We both go back to doing what we we're doing because we didn't turn it into this big, big or ordeal. We've been purposeful. We've been proactive ahead of time. And then when the moment comes of conflict, we know exactly how we're going to figure that out. Um, I have found this to be so effective. Um, figuring out what are the things my kids are struggling with, so being purposeful, taking the time to figure that out. What are we going to do about it? And then communicating that with our spouse or with our co-parent and then with, with our kids so they know that. A lot of the parenting tools that I'm going to talk about towards the end are really helpful um, for this being proactive and not reactive. 2 Timothy 3.16 is actually talking about Scripture, um, but it says, All Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for four things. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And I like to use this with parenting, because not all parenting situations are the same. And yet, the majority of the time that we respond to our kids in correction, we respond in the same manner. I would like to challenge you to think about your interactions with correction with your kids as to which of these four categories does it fall into. In this moment, does my child need to be taught? Do they not know any better? And actually, a lot of times, I think as parents, we assume our kids know how to do stuff when actually they don't. And so really thinking, have I taught my child how to do this? So for example, if they're responding um, in a very angry manner. They're not, they don't have good anger management. Have I taught them? Have I actually taught them how to control their anger? Have I actually given them tools to do that? So is it a situation where I need to teach them? Is it a situation where I need to rebuke? Don't do that. So you're a little more stern than you would be with teaching, but you're telling them, you do not do this. Is it a moment where I need to do that with them? Is it a moment where I need to correct, where I'm saying, 
Instead of that, you need to do this. So it's similar to teaching, but you're connecting to it something very specific and you're saying, don't do this, do this instead. Or is it a training in righteousness thing? Or we're just practicing what it means to be a human and to make good choices and I need to give them some encouragement and help them practice it a little bit more. So for me, this would be like um, training in righteousness. My sister and I did not get along in junior high. We're 16 months apart. And I remember we used to fight like cats and dogs all the time. And our family dishwasher broke. And I have a large family. There's seven kids. Um, and so my dad told us, I will not buy a new dishwasher until it, you two learn to get along. And so every night for like a month, she and I had to wash all the dishes. But it was a training in righteousness. He was giving us practice of getting along. He was giving us opportunities to get better at doing that. And so I love thinking about your situations with your kids and your correction. Is it a teaching moment? Do they actually know how to do this? Is it rebuking? Don't do that. Is it correcting? Don't do this, but do this instead. Or is it a training in righteousness? Um, because it's going to be so much more effective. Because if you're punishing your child for something that they don't know how to do any better, that punishment is not effective and it crushes. It's not helping anybody. And so thinking about when I'm punishing, are they actually learning something from it? Are they growing? Are they gaining skills? Are they learning how to navigate that challenge that they have? So I love that verse. Um, not only because scripture does that for us, but then applying that to our parenting. Setting them up for success. Um, I don't think we talk about this verse very much in parenting. I don't know, Jesse, if you've ever talked about Ephesians 6.4. Fathers, do not provoke, or some translations say exasperate <laughs> your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I don't think we often hold ourselves accountable to asking ourselves, like, am I exasperating my children? Am, am I really, in the ways that I am interacting with them, the ways that I am correcting and parenting them, am I exasperating? Um, some of the ways that I think we do this. Um, is there obedience in this moment about making things easier for me or is it for their benefit? I think sometimes we want our kids to behave and do things because it makes us, makes life easier for us or it makes us look good. Um, like for example, um, your child is having a meltdown in public. Lots of people are watching you. In that moment, you're feeling the pressure of people watching you and judging you and, oh, my kid, they were going to think I'm a terrible parent. Um, so you stop that, stop that, stop that, you stop that right now. I'm going to, you know, take you out into the car. Um, in that moment, I think a lot of times their obedience is about making us comfortable. But what if that child is really something scared them and they don't know what to do with that fear? And so the only thing they know how to do is to cry and to have this meltdown. Now, I'm not saying it's like that every time, but sometimes when we punish, it's for our benefit and not our kids. And so asking ourselves that question, am I seeking their obedience right now because it's really what is beneficial for them or because it's making things easier for me? Um, I think sometimes it can be, I see this a lot with dads. I'm sure it happens with moms too, but get the kids all riled up. 
everybody's all excited, wrestling around, doing stuff, and then you want them to do something really quiet right away. And so we've got them all hyped up, and then we want them to obey, and then they don't because they're all hyped up, and then we punish them. <laughs> That's our fault because they're not in a mindset to obey immediately. We need to get them to calm down, give them a chance to choose to be obedient. Um, but I know even in my house, like how many times like fun Russell nights with my dad turned into everybody crying and being punished. <laughs> and so just asking yourself, <laughs> are we doing that to our kids? Whereas, hey, if you would have given them five minutes to kind of calm down and given them a couple choices, they would have made the right choice. Um, so, but asking, asking yourself that. Or um, do you ask your kids to do things that you yourself do not do? So you tell them to talk nice, but you don't talk nice. You tell them they can't yell in anger, but you yell in anger. Are you asking them to be obedient for things that you don't hold yourself accountable to? That is a way that we can exasperate our kids and crush them. Um, a lot of teenagers that I talk with usually say something like that. That, oh, my mom and dad want me to do this, but they don't do it. What's up with that? You know? But even having, and I know our, our answer usually is, because I'm an adult. That's not a good reason. <laughs> and so thinking about how can, I, how can I engage in a healthy way with my child? Again, saying, you know what? You're right. I should be doing that as well. Maybe we should practice that together this week. And being willing, again, going back to the redemptive part of parenting, where we get to model and show our kids what the gospel is and what redemption and forgiveness is. Setting them up for success by um, empowering your child. A couple ways I feel like we can empower them. One is their body and their mind. Uh, again, going back to um, if you haven't eaten all day, you're going to be cranky, right? Um, and yeah, a lot of times we expect our kids to be in a good mood when they're hungry. Um, or if our kids are tired, we tell them that to straighten up. But yet when we're tired, we're, we let ourselves be cranky. And so empowering your kids' bodies by knowing what they're going through. So if you know your kid is hungry and they're being really defiant, stop and give them a snack. Or my go-to with anything, make them drink water. Because water helps to calm the brain, which then helps them make better decisions. And also this, our bodies need the water. And so if your kid is having a really off day, make them drink water and give them a healthy snack. You're empowering them to have better control of their body. Or if you know that they did not sleep well last night, expect that their behavior is going to be probably bad. And so empower them. Hey, I want you to go rest for a couple minutes. I know, t you know last night you didn't sleep. Instead of punishing them for acting out because their bodies are out of sync, empower them to take care of themselves and to control their bodies. Also by empowering them, by teaching them skills, like forgiveness. Have you guys modeled in your, f in your family, how do you do forgiveness? Um, had someone teach me a script that I love, and I, I love using it. Um, I'm sorry that I did this. So be very specific about what you did. Um, I shouldn't have done that. Will you please forgive me? But even like, have you taught your kids how to do that? Um, have you taught them about anger management? We all probably need anger management <laughs> skills and training. Um, we aren't born with anger management skills. They have to be taught. Have you taught your kids how to do that? Um, emotional IQ, can they identify emotions? Um, there's only a certain set of emotions that we actually are born with and understand. All of the rest of the emotions we learn through interaction with people. And so do your kids understand what they're feeling? Are you having conversations? There's a difference between anger and frustration. Um, helping them to understand that and being able to communicate what that is.
also um, empowering the circumstances. So again, this goes back to, let's say that you know they had a really big test today that they were really nervous about and they studied really hard for last night and they didn't get any sleep. Expect that they're probably gonna come home a little on edge. And so be proactive, give them some water, give them a snack, talk them through that. Um, if they're come home angry, um, give them a prompt. Hey, you seem a little bit angry. Why don't you go take a couple minutes to yourself and then come back? Uh, instead of escalating, why are you talking like that to me? What's going on with you? Keep it calm and be proactive about how you engage with them. So I want to make sure I get these parenting tools and tips in. So um, first, there's probably 20 things right now that drive you crazy about your kids. Things that they're doing, being disobedient about, problems that you're having with them. Um, if you try to work on all 20 things, you will fail. And you will discourage and crush your child. So pick one or two things. Pick one or two things and, and focus on those. And what I have found is when you focus on one or two things, a lot of the other stuff starts to improve as well. But instead of overwhelming yourself trying to keep track of all these things you're doing with your kids, overwhelming them because they're trying to be obedient or trying to figure out how to navigate life with you, pick one or two things. And then once you're successful at those two things, pick another two. And you're giving your kids confidence. If you want to do an exercise, keep track of how many times in a day that you say no to your kid. It's probably a whole lot. And no shuts off the brain. When we say yes, it opens the brain and keeps kids' minds engaged and active. And so if you can find ways, stop doing that, stop doing that. No, 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 no. That's not very helpful and it doesn't help them grow and it's very crushing. If all you hear all day is no and stop it, how discouraging would that be? Like if, so, if your boss came to you tomorrow and all day long, all he said to you is no, stop it. That's not right. What are you doing? Like you would leave work so discouraged. And that's a lot of times what we do to our kids. And so instead, being proactive, picking one or two things, focus on those, know how you're going to handle those situations, and find ways to encourage. And again, once those two things start to improve, a lot of the other stuff does too. You want to practice these behaviors with your kids. So if you're teaching anger management with your kids, you want to practice that with them. And so in a good time, like at a family meeting or one night after dinner when everyone's in a good mood, practice doing this stuff, like role play it. And the kids will love it. Like getting to pretend to be angry and then responding or doing role playing, kids love that. And when you have laughter and engagement, it actually helps your brain learn better. And so not only are you teaching them a skill, but you're having fun, which is rela relationally connecting you, but also when you're having fun, you're helping their brain learn that better. And so I love practicing skills with your kids. So those two things you picked, practice together how you're going to respond to those two things, how you're going to do better on that. Um, and you can have a lot of fun in that. And if you go to like Pinterest, like there's lots of game ideas. You can type in anger management and all, all sorts of stuff will pop up. So whatever the issue that you're working on correcting is, um, you can find lots of stuff online to help with that. Nonverbals. Um, a lot of what our kids pick up from us are our nonverbals. How we're standing, our face, the timber and tone of our voice. Those are all things they pick up. And so being really purposeful about, um, you know, if it's a younger child, like bending down and getting eye contact, um, 
coming close into proximity with them, um, gauging what, what's the, the timber of my voice. Am I talking kind of light and happy or am I talking low and firm? Um, and even like being able to correct. So if I'm, if I'm in a class of kids or I'm at home, like my nieces and nephews are acting up, I just walk over. Like I'm not correcting, I'm not getting angry, I'm not engaging, but I'm walking over to them. It's nonverbal and a lot of times they're like, they stop doing what they're doing. And so you're able to kind of bring them back into focus um, without engaging in something that's gonna escalate into where everybody's kind of falling apart. And so even just asking yourself your nonverbals. Um, I've had kids say like, my mom never smiles at me. Her face is always angry. And the kid doesn't know why, like, what have I done? And it's not that mom is angry, but she's like, she's not thinking about what is my, what's my face communicating to my kids? What's the tone of my voice communicating with my kids? Um, and so just asking yourself about your nonverbals. Empower their body, which we've talked about. Again, water. Water's your best friend. Make your kids drink it. <laughs> um, rest. Um, eating snacks and nutrition. Those are all things that are going to help them um, control um, their behaviors, and it calms the brain. Especially if you, if you have a child that ADHD or some behavioral issues, learning disabilities, has some significant trauma in their past, that's going to be especially important for you because their brain is already susceptible to kind of, we call it flipping the lid, um, but being able to help them engage their bodies and keep that calm will help calm their brains down and help them pay attention and engage with you better. Do-overs, which I talked about, I use this all the time, especially with disrespectful talk. Don't have to yell, you don't have to engage with them. It's like, hey, I need you to say that again with respect, please, and give them an opportunity to do that. Um, the benefit of that, in the moment, we call it correcting in the moment. So what's happening right then is the pathway in their brain towards respectful talking is getting laid. Making them redo and practice in that moment is laying that pathway in their brain. And so anytime you can correct in the moment and make them do something again, you are benefiting their ability to choose correctly the next time. That could be with anything. Hey, can you pick up your toys? Throwing toys in the box. Hey, I need you to stop. I need you to do that. I need you to do that kindly or respectfully. Fine. You know, I'm off there fighting. Hey, I need you guys to stop. Go back and do that again. How could you do this differently? Um, and it takes, it takes effort and it takes time. It does. But the correction of that will help lay those pathways and help develop the skills for them to choose better the next time. I love do-overs. Mostly because you are not dragged into the drama of the moment. I don't get angry. I don't raise my voice. It's, hey, you know what? I need you to say that again with respect, please. Um, yes. 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 So what I would do? Yes. 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 So I would say at first time it's always really nice. Hey, I need you to say that again. Respect. If it's attitude, hey. So deeper voice, eye contact, firm. I need you to say that again with respect. I would say then if they up the ante again, I would pull in with my ne the next um, tool, it's called two choices. So I would say to them, you have two choices right now. You can either say it again with respect or, and I would give them a, co a consequence. 
to whatever you have agreed upon, a consequence being or a punishment being, giving them two options. So quick, I gotta figure if I can get all this in. Quick uh, anatomy lesson here. This is your brain, this is your neck and brain stem. This middle part of your brain is the amygdala where all of our emotions are sitting. Um, and this top part here is this front part. Okay, so this is where all our thinking happens, cognition, making decisions. What happens when we get angry is we call flipping our lid. And what happens then is this thinking part of our brain is no longer connected to the emotional part of our brain. We're just in the emotional part of our brain. Okay, so really not able. That's why fights escalate. Or like when a kid is crying or having an outburst, you're like, what is going on? You're crazy. What is going on with you? Why are you crying about this? It's because they're in that primitive emotional part of their brain. They're not connected to the thinking part. And so what we need to do is we need to calm them down and help them get connected to the thinking part of their brain so that they can make a choice, which is why I like two choices. Because they're getting angry, they're getting all built up. So I'm thinking for them. They're not connected to the thinking part, so I'm saying, you have two choices right now. You can respond respectfully like you've been asked to, or this is what the consequences is. And so you're giving them a framework. And usually, I'll give them a second to think that over. Because again, they're not connected to the cognitive part of their brain. They're processing a little slower. Another thing too, like parents, we, we punish too quickly. Give your kids a couple seconds to think about it. Give them a couple seconds to process. Um, so that's probably what I would do in that circumstance. So I might say, you can either do it again with respect, or you can take a five-minute timeout. Which do you want to do? And see how they do with that. And play, play around with it. The two choices you kind of have to play around with and see what works. But also, I would, I would again, be proactive, take a step back. There's an anger management issue. So what skill do I need to teach them? What, what do I need to communicate with them? So I, I, you know what, I see you're getting angry right now. Do you need to go do whatever you have to decide it? You have the kid choose, here's what I do when I get upset. And say, ooh, I notice right now, do you need to go do that? And so you're helping them to recognize the emotion in their bodies and then you're helping them to self-regulate by going and doing whatever the healthy thing is. Instead of outbursts and fighting with someone, we're practicing doing calming, breathing or whatever you, you know whatever works for them. I love two choices. Um, that's, um, that takes some practice. So with the two choices, you're accomplishing your goal. So it's not like you can either obey me or not. Like you're still getting them to obey. And so a lot of times it's, you can do what I've asked or you can do it in two minutes. Um, you can do it by yourself or I can do it with you. And just kind of thinking through what, what are two, you know, what two choices. You know, sometimes it's like, I need you to finish your chores. I need you to do what I've asked you to do. Is it something that can wait? And so it's like, okay, are, do you, are you going to do it right now or are you going to do it in five minutes when the timer goes off? And so giving, giving them a choice. Um, and, and the point is that they're being obedient. The point is they're choosing to do it. It's not, I'm going to punish you and now you're going to do it, but you're giving them an option, a way of obeying you that allows for them to choose. And they're learning to make choices, is the point of that. Give voice. Anytime you guys can ask your kids their opinion. So it's, hey, you know what? I've noticed that you're really struggling with getting along with your brother. What do you think we could do differently? What do you think you guys, and getting their opinion on stuff. 
uh, hey, I noticed you're really struggling with this. What do you think about that? Like, is there, what's the reason? Do you know what's going on? Or why is that, that, you know, earlier today you got really upset about this. Can you, can we talk about that? What was going on? And so allowing for them to express themselves to you, it's building trust. Um, It's giving them connection to you, but also it's a really important skill for them to learn in regards to emotional IQ and being able to self-regulate and have self-control, being able to recognize what's going on in myself and then choosing an appropriate behavior. Like that is something that we have to be taught to do. You know, when we're, when the kids are little, we're the authoritarian, here are the rules, you obey, no questions. As they move closer to adolescence, it's like co-regulation. Like, I'm going to give you some boundaries, like the two choices, but I'm going to give you freedom to choose within that. I'm going to help you learn how to make choices. Then as they move into um, older adolescence, then a lot more freedom. And then you become more like a coach. So I'm going to let you do stuff, but I'm going to come alongside and give you some, oh, hey, you know what? Yesterday when this happened, what do you think if you would have tried this instead? And so you're coaching, you're giving them tips, you're helping them train. But we, they need to learn that process. And a lot of times we're authoritarians all the way until they're 18, and then they're like, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to make decisions. I don't know what's right and wrong. I'm going to go crazy because I have all this freedom. And that's why kids go out and fail first semester of, cl- of college because they've not learned self-control, self-regulation, understanding what I'm feeling and how to make decisions. And so we've got to help them do those things. And then quickly, um, and this goes along kind of with all these things that we've talked about, but there's something called levels of engagement. And so as you step into correction or conflict with your kids, the first level is playful. So if I can redirect or correct a child in a lighthearted, playful way, that's the best way to do that. And again, that's a, hey, can you try it again? Or um, Karen Purvis, who um, does a lot, did a lot of work with adoptive kids and kids with problem behaviors, um, she had this great tool where she says, are you asking or are you telling? Because a lot of times kids say stuff to us like they're demanding. And so instead of yelling and getting upset that they're kind of demanding to us, it's like, hey, are you asking me about that or are you telling me? And a lot of times they'll be like, well, I'm asking. Uh, but again, like it's a playful... I'm not getting upset. I'm not engaging you. Um, I'm not upping the ante, um, but I'm doing it really lighthearted. And if I can do that, that's great because their brain stays engaged. Those pathways get laid. And the probability that they'll choose the right choice later on is better the more times that I can do that. If it escalates into a big old fight, they're not learning anything because they flip their lid. They're in the emotional part of their brain and they're not thinking and they're just angry at you. But if I can do it playfully, they do what I want them to do, and then they return to whatever they were doing before. If that doesn't work, take it up to structured. So that's where we went from the do-over to the two choices. So they didn't listen to me when I was playfully, lightly engaging them to respond, so I took it up a notch. My voice gets a little firmer. I give eye contact, and I give a structured this or this. And that could be different for you. You know, you could, however, you know, whatever ways you choose to do discipline or punishment, you kind of take it up a step further. And then the calming is where a kid is like out of control. And that's where your objective is to calm them so that you can bring correction later. We, um, we talk a lot about c- connecting before you correct. 
And so your child needs to feel connected and safe with you before you correct so that they actually learn and understand those things. Because, I mean, think about your child who's having a full-on tantrum, whether it's a three-year-old or a 16-year-old. Um, like, y'all are just yelling. Like, nothing's getting accomplished. No um, discipleship is happening. And so um, at that point, when things are heated and there's yelling and there's a lot of emotion involved, that's where as a parent you need to take a step back and you need to bring calm to the situation. You need to bring calm to the situation so then you can come back around and then do your correction and do your discipleship. A lot of times I think parents think that discipline equals punishment or actually I think discipline is discipleship. And so sometimes disciplining your child isn't about punitive things. It's about discipling and teaching. And you can't do that if people are screaming and yelling and emotions are high. That only brings frustration to you and to your child. And ultimately, in the end, doesn't really teach any valuable skills. And so I really like to use the levels of engagement. Start playful, move up to structured, and if that doesn't work and there's a full-on explosion, that's where you need to go into calming mode. Calm the situation, calm yourself, calm your child, um, and then go for the dis- teaching the discipleship of the situation. So now I have like one minute left. So I want to go back to those four questions <coughs> the beginning. And instead of that, I want you, and you can just write these down, you can think about them later, um, but instead of, instead of what behaviors are you most concerned about in your child, asking yourself, what is motivating this behavior? Instead of what behaviors do you find yourself most disciplining your child for, asking yourself, how can I be proactive with this behavior? Instead of asking what behavior are you most hard on your child about, ask yourself, what does my child need from me in regards to this behavior? And then fourthly, what behavior are you most frustrated, annoyed, or angered about? Asking yourself, what's in their river, going back to that picture of the tree, what's in their river that's causing this behavior? And if you're willing, asking yourself, is it triggering something from my own personal river? So just a different perspective on how to look at your kids' behavior and how to approach disciplining and discipling them in that. So, all right. That's what I have for you this evening.